welcome in to the Who Day Talk podcast. Braden Jay here. So much to get to today. Not a lot of positives coming. We're going to no. be talking about the <laughs> talking about the Bengals Browns game. We're going to talk about a couple of missed opportunities the Bengals had just a day ago. And going to be talking about some corner prospects. And you no, know, since this before we talk about the game, I want to talk about Reuben Foster since this is really fresh and. I think we agree here. Like we can both agree that Reuben Foster not the best person, but the Bengals absolutely should have cl- tried and claimed him off waivers. Yeah, and uh, as of now, the Chicago Bears now have his rights. They claimed him off waivers, and that means that the Bengals did not put a claim in because we are before them in the waiver order because the waiver order is the reverse order of um, standings. Red so Scott, the Bengals did not put in a claim for Reuben Foster. Um, He's now a member of the Chicago Bears. He has imposed, yeah, or Chicago. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Washington Redskins. Um, and I had the Bears on my mind. I was thinking about the game this week. Um, but yeah, the Redskins. Um, same thing applies. They have a better record than us, which means we are ahead of them in the order. Whatever. Um, the thing I have the issue with is they didn't. Yes, I know he has issues, but. I, I'm a believer that you should have taken a chance and you don't know what he did or what he didn't do right now. And if what if it comes out tomorrow that they have video of her like saying like, oh, well, I'm going to frame you or whatever. Like, you don't know. You just don't know. So I think you have to take that chance. And if he gets if he's found guilty or even if it, he's found innocent and it looks kind of shady, you can still cut him. Like, you're not losing anything. He's in the commissioner's exempt list. You're not paying him anything. He's not playing. There's no there's no downside. There's no guarantees because of his drug suspension last year. There's no downside to doing it. Yeah, and you guys probably remember earlier this year, like he was arrested, I think it was May, for apparently punching his ex-girlfriend so many times, but then it comes out that she was lying or the video proof that she was lying. Same, same girlfriend, same ex-girlfriend. Oh, it was the same person? Same ex-girlfriend, yes. Oh my. Yeah, and that, there wasn't I don't know if there was proof that she was lying, but yeah, she did come out and recant. So well, that's something well, of note. Um, something that I read about, apparently the bruises she claimed that Ruben gave her were actually shown she got it in a bar fight. Yeah, I did hear about that as well. And I, I, you're hearing stories from – you have a lot of people that are coming out and saying that, like, oh, she recanted because Ruben intimidated her. He threatened her or whatever. And that might be the case. We don't know. But at the same time, like, I don't think you can assume that about someone without knowing for sure. And I don't know. I, I personally believe that I don't think you should destroy someone's life over allegations without proof. And if, especially if there's no, there's not, there's nothing except for he said, she said, and that's my issue with it. I think they should have taken a chance, but I'm getting too off topic right now. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, it's fine. It's just, and even if he did do it, like, even – he's still not the greatest person. But Marvin, if there's one thing I will give him credit for, is kind of giving those troubled players not to amazing people, but mm. not completely terrible people like Adam Jones. He was a complete mess. Marvin comes in, yeah, Pacman still has some issues, but he might have saved his career. I'm against if, – if it comes out that he – did in fact beat her he did in fact assault her i don't want anything to do with him but 
And I know I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I was a big proponent of Joe Mixon, but the difference between Joe Mixon and Ruben Foster is he turned his life around. He he didn't have it. He was squeaky clean after clean after that incident. And in order for me to trust Ruben Foster again, I'd need to see at least two years of squeaky clean, like upstanding citizen stuff before I could consider him. Yeah. Apparently to what that girl claimed Ruben did, he like pushed her hard in the chest and like grabbed her face. I don't remember. Like you said, there's no proof. It's just what she said. And so there's, but yeah, there's like no risk to it. Like yeah, you, and I want to believe her, I really do. But it's hard when you, if you recant the first time, and there's no other proof other than well, he pushed me. Like I want to believe you, I do. But the issue becomes like, what happens if I'm not saying she's crazy? I'm not saying she's lying. But what happens some some time down the road, someone's gonna lie about something like this, and an innocent person would get thrown in jail in that case. And I, you can't have innocent people getting thrown in jail. You can't have innocent people getting punished. So that's my take on it. But I think we got off on a little bit of a tangent. Uh, what what do you think about the Bengals game? Uh, oh, why is Marvin coach? That's what I want to know. It's just this team is a complete mess. Marvin obviously has no control. Uh, they play with seems with no motivation, no effort. Like on the David Njoku crazy touchdown, you see Jesse Bates initially make wraps him up, makes a good stop. He has him one on one. Then the Bengals players are just standing there watching him fight for his life as three Browns offensive linemen come up and push Njoku in the end zone. Yeah, it's kind of a story of the season. Yeah, it's just um, really depressing. And I don't think it was as bad of a game. It's not as bad as a game of a game that a lot of people are making it out to be. And I think yes, the the, the thing that hurts is it, it's the Browns and they they killed us. Um, but I think the players they battled back. The coaching didn't really change. I think the players battled back, and I think I think Jeff Driscoll is going to be. I'm not saying Jeff Driscoll is a better player than Andy Dalton. I'm saying that he fits what we have right now better than Andy Dalton. Because Andy Dalton, he's a pocket passer. He's not that much of a scrambler. He doesn't create plays. With our bad offensive line, we need a guy that can run a little, run around a little bit. Uh, we saw two or three times from Jeff Driscoll. He had two outstanding throws. One was to Boyd, and I forget who the other one was to. Ross, probably. I believe it was, yeah. It was Ross. And they were all create. They all became plays by him running outside of the pressure, going outside of the pocket, something that Andy would never do. And that's why I think Jeff – I'm not saying Jeff Driscoll is a better quarterback, and he certainly is not the passer that Andy Dalton is. I mean, Jeff Jeff Driscoll, everyone said, oh, he's lighting it up. He's better than Andy. Mm, No. He he sailed a lot of passes. He was thrown high. I mean, if if Alden Tate needs to jump – like as high as he can for a ball, it's a pretty high ball. Like, yeah, and also so, speaking of Auden Tate, he was eyeballing Auden Tate too much. Like on the fourth down play, right? we were basically already out of it, but this officially put us out of it. When I think we we're inside either fifteen or ten, four for three, fourth and four. He had Tyler Boyd wide open in the middle, but he was just staring down Auden Tate. Then he threw an incompletion, giving the Browns the ball. Now, obviously, that kind of came from the preseason, but he cannot be eyeballing Tate, especially. When yeah, he- I believe I believe it tipped off of Tate's hand, right? Uh, I thought it was just too high in general. It could, if it did hit his hand, Tate had no chance of catching it, which says something. Yeah, I think it hit his hand, and I remember looking at that play, and I'm like, "Well, Auden Tate's playing AJ Green's position when AJ Green's back." That catch is made. That's a first down. That's what that's what I thought. He still should have thrown to Boyd, but I don't think that's as much of an issue as it 
it could have been, I guess. I, I would have been more worried if it was, I don't know, if it was opposite, I guess, because I, I want him thrown to the bigger guy. I want him thrown to the bigger guy, especially because Tyler Boyd, he's a smaller guy. You need to be more accurate to throw to smaller guys to a certain extent. AJ Green, big guy, rangy guy. If you throw it a little bit inaccurate, you're fine. Yeah. My, my only concern there, I mean, Boyd was wide, pretty wide open. Yeah, he was. He could have he, afforded a bat throw, and Boyd would have still made the catch if it was catchable. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, like, he's never played in an NFL game before in his life. Yeah, I mean, just experience. Yeah, for a first for a first game, I think he played pretty well. Yeah, um, I don't like that the defensive line he's going up against next week with Denver. I don't think that's exactly the best position. I think just based off from what we've seen in preseason, he's going. There's going to be times where he gets out of pressure, and there's going to be times where he's going to run into Von Miller and get destroyed. I think, I think uh, Von Miller worries me this game. Don't get me wrong. I think Bradley Chubb is going to go for two sacks at least. Bradley Chubb worries me a lot more than Von Miller because the Bengals are going to be chipping Von Miller as much as possible when he lines up on the line, and they're going to have the uh, have whoever's in the backfield try and do a little bit of pass blocking on him. Just you're not gonna, uh, running back's not going to stop him, but they can at least delay it a little bit. And if just Driscoll's a running quarterback, so I think okay. he's going to be able to get away from Von Miller a little bit. But at the same time, I think Bradley Chubb is going to kind of get in a, in there a few times just because everyone's so focused on Von Miller. I meant in general, he's just going to run to a couple sacks because I feel like just because of inexperience, he's going to try and run around and wait too long for somebody to get open. And I don't know. I Just based off from what we saw, I feel like he, he just might try and scramble too much. I could be completely wrong, but you said it a couple minutes ago. Driscoll is not a better player than Andy. There's some people thinking that Driscoll is actually going to lead us to a 10-6 record and we're going to win the playoff and chill out. Even like I agree, this is a better offensive scheme for Driscoll, but Andy is still the better, the better quarterback, and and yeah, like Driscoll. The thing, the thing with Andy Dalton is, I the the worst part of Andy Dalton's injury is not having Andy Dalton on the field. It's that after the season, we all know the conversations can be happening in the Bengals front office, and when they're making the decision, like, okay, do we fire Marvin? The answer is gonna be. No, well, he didn't have Dalton for six games, six and a half games, whatever. That's why he had a bad season, and that's that's going to be the excuse. Wait for it, guys. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to be, oh, he didn't have Dalton. There was a lot of injuries. He's a good coach. He just didn't have the personnel. And good coaches overcome injuries, and he doesn't overcome injuries. I don't. Sorry, but yeah, that's just gonna that's what's going to happen. And get ready for another year, Marvin. Yeah, Marvin's Marvin's the whole Bengals are too old school. They need. Honestly, talent is not the issue. Like, I think in another scheme, Andy Dalton could excel and win a playoff game. Oh, yeah, no, coaching is, coaching is the main issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is – I'm more telling the listeners more so than you because you already know. But, like, you put Andy in the right scheme that goes around his strengths, he will – he's good enough to win you a playoff game. Marvin doesn't do that. I feel like Bill Lazor tries the scheme or offensive players so their weaknesses. Like, I don't see him trying to give Mixon the ball in space. I don't see them trying to get John Ross the ball in space. Like this coaching, we need a culture change if this wants to be a success. They're definitely the most uncreative team in the league, for sure. Um, But, I mean, other than Driscoll, uh, other guys that played well, the DBs, William Jackson and Bates, played very well. Yeah, Denard, I thought, played well. Denard did did have a good game, A couple catches, but he was also – Playing out of position, uh, 
this might help in the contract talks. Didn't you say that he wants to be outside? Yeah, and uh, fun stat, uh, Denard and William Jackson allowed 27 combined yards. And that's it. Yeah, I think Denard gave up two catches. I think William Jackson gave up a short slant, if I remember yeah. right, something like that. Yeah, DBs aren't the talent. I thought Dunlap had a quietly pretty decent game. He was definitely the only one on that defensive line that I thought was given a damn. Every time defense did something, he was being energized, and every time they did something wrong, he was trying to be a leader. And he had a half-sack shirt of Geno Atkins that was taken away because Burvick had a stupid penalty, of course. So I feel like Dunlap is had a better game than people realize. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Denard made himself probably close to $10 million today. Or not today, Sunday. Yeah. Just over the course of his next contract, that is. Uh, I think he's going to he's gonna point to that game when he says, okay, look, I can play outside. You can't pay me like a slot corner. Sorry. And he, he made himself a lot of money on Sunday. And it's going to be interesting because I believe they can cut Drake Patrick after this season for – I mean, it, there's going to be some dead cap, obviously. But I, I'll look it up, but I believe it's not It's not a killer. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a hit, but at this point, if I honestly will take – just because we, of the potential, I like Phillips in the slot and Denard outside with William Jackson. I like it too, but I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to give up on Drake because I think Drake is the short end of the stick a lot. Oh, and, me too. We talked about it last week. I think. Yeah. So I'm. I'm not saying I want Drake to get cut. I'm saying like, okay, if you're making that decision to sign Denard and, st- and if you're only going to keep one of these guys anyway, I think Denard might be slightly better, but. Yeah. At the same time, he might be a little bit cheaper. So you might be able to, let's say, sign Denard. Well, actually, no, see the dead cap after this year, it's going to be $4 million. To, okay, so it's going to be around $8.5 million total Ooh. over three years, over the next three years. Oh, three years, okay. So, I mean, I don't think it's likely. Uh, but if they w- decide they want to keep Denard, I think cutting William – or not William Jackson, God no. Cutting Drake or Patrick is the only way you can do that because you have to keep William Jackson down the road. You can't let William Jackson walk. You have to pay him whatever he wants. He wants $20 million a year. You give him $20 million a year. Uh, and you're not going to be able to do that if you have Denard making whatever he makes, $10, $12 million, and you have Drake or Patrick making $10 million. It's, it's not going to be doable. Yeah. Bengals just have to be smart about it. and Who knows what happens, especially if we keep <clears> – when we keep Marvin, you know – Marvin, I'm, I think Marvin likes Kirkpatrick a lot. He's one of, he wouldn't want to cut him. Like, I think I locate getting cuts the most surprising biggest move we might make for a while. Uh, I, I, I won't go that far, but uh, back on William Jackson, I kind of want to talk about his, his upcoming extension, which will probably happen after next season. But I, I want to make a case for them extending him after this season. Um, he's still underrated right now. I, th- I think after next season, it's the bat- <laughs> the cast going to be out of the bag. Everyone's going to know he's a top five corner. And I think after this season, you might be able to get him for $14 million a year. I think after 2019, it's going to go up to $16, $17 million a year, maybe maybe more. Uh, I think you – and you have a lot of money coming into this year. And if you're not going to sign any free agents anyway, you might as well get on top of it, uh, extend William Jackson. And I know you're going to be paying a little bit more – um, it's going to be, I think he's making 
like four million a year, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's not that much, and you're going to be paying a lot more in the next two years. But down the road, it's going to help the cap situation drastically. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like the Bengals are going to put the fifth year option bid away to give him that contract extension to land. I hope they get it done as soon as possible because he's a guy we cannot afford to lose. If we want to be a good team, we build around young guys like William Jackson because I, elite shutdown corners are not easy to find these days. I don't. I think they're going to exercise the fifth year option. Don't get me wrong, but I I also think that he's not going to play on it. I think they're going to give him an extension before that happens. Um, I just I can't really see. If I was him, I would not play on that fifth year option for the Bengals. Uh, by twenty, he's going to be fifth year option will be twenty twenty, I believe. Yeah, twenty twenty, and at that time, I can't see us being legit contenders. So you don't. You don't play under an option year for a contender if you're a player like him, or for a non-contender if you're a player like him. But um, off of William Jackson, uh, Boyd obviously played pretty well. Tate had some key catches. He also had some drops, which is kind of what Tate is. He's going to make some really good plays, and he's going to have some rookie mistakes. Yeah, and he, one of his drops, I mean, it was a hard, it was a hard catch to make. Yeah. It, it would have been a nice catch, and he almost got it. Uh, but. The issue with that is wasn't necessarily the drop; it was the lack of separation that led led to him being having to dive. It, he d- he had to dive instead of being there already. And I mean, that's just like you said; that's how he is. He's a slower guy, not much separation on him. But uh, I mean, yeah, he's in, that's what that's all he is. Um, we, hopefully, we see a little more of him in the next few games. But I think we will because I think Driscoll does like him, even if he. AJ does come back. Driscoll has that. Just seems like he has that. What's the word I'm looking for? Connection factor. Yeah, he just has that with Tate. It seems like. Yeah, and I I think we're gonna see him a little more. I don't think we're gonna see him as much as uh, Sunday. Just last Sunday, just because AJ Green's gonna be coming back. Josh Malone's gonna be coming back. Um, well, I don't know if Josh Malone's gonna be coming back. I don't know his status right now. I'm assuming he's gonna be coming back. I didn't think the injury was too serious. Uh, speaking of injuries, Tony McRae, just a concussion. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out, but he's not on IR, and he's going to be okay. Um, we obviously talked about the Dalton injury. Uh, something with his thumb. I don't know if we know if it's broken or not. Um, he might be getting surgery. Uh, still haven't heard back on that yet. He's on IR, out for the year. Just because he's starting, obviously. We've been talking about this all the time, just to keep you guys updated. Um, and, yeah, I mean – uh, I mean, the issues were mainly on the offensive side of the ball this this game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than coaching on the defensive side of the ball, I didn't think the linebackers were. I mean, Nick Chubb obviously ate ate them up, but I didn't think it it could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, now the Browns probably did. Well, they definitely did go conservative in the second half, but the defense ideally did what you're supposed to do. Like, you're just not going to shut teams out in today's NFL. You got to – ideally what it is, is you defense makes a couple key stops and that leads your, leads your offense to get the lead. And that's what the Bengals are not doing. The offense just doesn't score. And when you keep putting defense out there, they're going to allow more points, make it harder for the offense to come back. And that's the offense's fault for not scoring. Yeah, and they lost 35-20. to 20, And I think in today's NFL, a good defense gives up 21 to 27 points a game 
um, and they give up 35, I don't think that's the issue because you're not going to hold a team to under 20 points a game. Uh, and we scored 20 that game. You, realistically, you're not going to hold a team to under 20 points a game, especially with our shitty defense. So you got the offense had to put up more points. Um, but other than that, I mean, you just want to get to the prospects just so we don't have to sit here and dwell. Yeah, I'm just, I guess I'll just end it with talent isn't the issue. It's the coaches, and it's going to continue being the coaches. Yeah, I agree. Uh, until that, until coaches change, what's going to happen? Um, so, first guy, I'll, you, can, you can start. All right. Uh, first guy I will talk about if my, if my sky report, okay, there we go. So the first boy I will talk about is not Boyd. I'll let you do Boyd since I know you like him. I will talk about Julian Love. And Julian Love, uh, he's good with the off-coverage manner zone. Uh, he's pretty physical. He has pretty quick feet that allows him to mirror the, res- mirror the wide receiver pretty well. I like he, that he closes quickly. and That really helps on, like, out routes. He can make a play on the ball. Uh, he's unfortunately he's one of those corners where he has the skills, which is the strength, athleticism is going to really hold him back in the NFL. If you if he goes against a bigger wide receiver and a faster wide receiver in that long vertical, he just going, might get outran by a faster receiver. Then and for Love, I have a third, early third on him. Yeah, I have a late second on him. Um. From what I could see, he's a, he's the toughest study of the four cornerbacks we studied today, or not today, but this past week. Uh, I, I don't know if you watched the Michigan game. I thought he played pretty poorly in that game. Uh, he kind of just looked inconsistent and lethargic the whole time. He got beat off the line. Uh, his long speed and acceleration is pretty spotty, and his hips aren't very fluid, so he's not all that athletic. Uh, I think he's a great red zone defender. Uh, I didn't really see him give up anything in the red zone. He was pretty, pretty locked down in, in the red zone. Um, his mirror needs some work, but he does have some great footwork. Played all three types of coverage, uh, press, man, zone. Uh, he's a pretty sure hitter, but he's not a heavy hitter. Uh, he's going to get pushed around a little bit. He plays kind of light. Um, his his main issue with me, I, this is going to be a, a theme, uh, crossing routes. He kind of allows too much separation on those crossing routes. But he is elite on comeback routes, which I thought was very interesting. I didn't see him give up a comeback route and. The three games I watched, and he probably got eight or nine of them ran against him. And I, that's that was very impressive to me. And I kind of disagree with you on the big receivers. Uh, he did a whole – yeah, he held his own against uh, J.J. Arcega, Whitesid, and Kelvin Harmon. Uh, obviously, they're good players, but I didn't see him get blown by or beat by them too bad. Um, and also, another thing that kind of worried me is <clears> – sorry. Um, his back pedal was kind of – I don't know how to put it. Uh, it doesn't really match his footwork in that it's kind of stuttered. It's a stuttered back pedal, and he kind of just like, I, don't, I guess a wobble, a quick wobble. It's really weird. Um, I didn't really like that, but that was only in the Michigan game, so maybe he had an injury. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I got on him. I got a late second-round grade on him. Yeah, uh, maybe early third, but I'm, I'm leaning late second. Uh, he's a great player. I think he's the second-best corner that we watched. Uh, that Yeah, that we watched today. Uh, yeah, so that's what I got on him. Uh, I'm going to go to Chris Boyd, like you said, my personal favorite. 
Uh, this is the guy that I could see coming out as the first cornerback over Grady Williams, over Byron Murphy, over DeAndre Baker, over Amani, the guy out of Penn State. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, he's a physical, strong guy, can hold up versus X receivers, athletic enough to uh, hold his own against Z receivers. So he's not really – he can he doesn't have to follow. He can stick to his side if he needs to. Um, he's not a slot guy. He's going to be strictly on the boundary. Uh, his footwork needs some work. He's very tight in manning press coverage, uh, a little better in man than press. But, I mean, he he exhibited, he exhibited that strength across the whole route tree. Um, and he's – uh, very elite on uh yeah sorry cannot talk vertical routes and crossing routes uh or, sorry vertical routes except crossing route what did I say here sorry <laughs> uh, he's elite against vertical routes and in crossing routes he allows a little bit too much separation there we go but it's not like a terrible thing uh, he's able to recover when the ball is thrown and dive and get that uh, defense pass. Uh, I don't see it as a huge issue, but that's really the only thing I had against him. He's a great closer, heavy hitter, sure hitter, doesn't miss tackles. Um, he blows up the sharper routes routinely, so like uh, in routes, uh, slant routes, he's pretty good against. Um, out routes, too. Yeah, I saw a few very good plays on or against out routes. Uh, he's pretty conservative, not very aggressive. Uh, he's very good versus the run, and he's not going to be a big interception guy, ball hawk guy. He's Gonna get a lot of pass defense, but I didn't really see many ball scored with him. Um, looks for work, good mirror in small spaces like the red zone. Uh, he can get by in zone. He's a pretty good zone corner, but play him in a man scheme. Uh, very smart, great athleticism, good recovery speed. I mean, he's he's a real deal. I like. I think I like him better than Greedy Williams. I'm not sure I'm gonna put him over Greedy Williams just yet, just because Greedy Williams has that huge ceiling. Um, but right now, I think he's going to be my second cornerback in my on my when I update my board. Um, him and Amani Oruari from Penn State can't still can't say his last name. They're kind of they're very similar players, uh, both physical receivers. Um, only difference is Chris Boyd's a little more athletic, a little more uh, quick, a little more fast. Uh, but their speed is kind of the same. But the quickness is the thing that separates Boyd. And I don't quite like him as much as you do. I like him right now. I have an early second on him. He'll probably end up ending up as a late first, maybe even mid first, depending on what I see in his last couple games at Texas. And something I will say, while I definitely do agree he's more of a man corner, I think he plays really well in cover two. I I saw him just – Maybe it's because of his length, and I think, like, if in not saying that's where he should play, but that is definitely one of his strengths. Corner as a cover two safety, or just a covered. I mean, cover he probably could, but I mean, more as a corner. He's just oh, you mean cover cover three? Yeah, okay, sorry, it's it's late. You're good. Um, yeah, I saw him play a little bit of cover three as well. I, I like that, and he can play it. I just in today's NFL, I think you need to have man corners, and that's kind of the scheme that's superior, in my opinion. Uh, they cover two. Um, you just want your boundary guys in man, and I, I he can play zone. I just wouldn't see the point of doing it when he's such a good man corner. Yeah. So you better hope Terrell Lawson isn't his defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> Putting William Jackson in soft zone <laughs> pisses me off every time I think about it. <laughs> 
Uh, we got to move on now. I can't think of Terry Lost. Yeah. Uh, you want to do Trayvon Mullen or Michael Jackson? Uh, I can do Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson, not too incredibly high on. I have a late third on him right now. Uh, yeah, me too. He's, yeah, he's a. Uh, He's not afraid to tackle. Sometimes, sometimes we're just trying to swipe the ball away. He'll just tackle the receiver as soon as he puts hands on the ball, and that can let that might make the wide receiver drop it. Uh, he's always around the ball. I do like his instincts and how he breaks on the ball. That can allow him to make some plays. Uh, I think he's a better, like most corners in this draft, the better man coverage corner than zone. Uh, but I do not like like. I like him better in the press. I do not like him in offense, mostly because how bad his – I feel like he has really stiff or really tight hips and that kind of – on those yeah. routes, on those comeback routes, that's going to come back and he's going to get beat on those. Yeah, he's definitely not a quick guy. He's fast. Uh, I think I like him in cover three as a cover three corner um, just because he he's – I think he's a good cover one safety too. He's played a little bit of that. Um, I don't think he has the quickness to play in the slot or against zero receivers. He's going to be outside a lot. He's very good in the red zone. I'll give him that, but he's not really good at defending the short and intermediate, short, sharp, intermediate routes. Or, uh, I mean, he doesn't really have, he's not quick enough to close that gap um, on the break. He has good hand usage. He's experienced playing deep zone cover three, like I said. Um, I, his, I think he's great in press, like you said. Um, very tight coverage on vertical routes, and he won't get beat on those. Uh, he's, that's his his uh, best trait, I think, from what I've seen. Um, no glaring ball skills. Uh, like I said, struggles versus crossing routes. Uh, very instinctual in his own coverage, but I think a lot of times he thinks it. He thinks a little bit too much, uh, and it's just kind of he's a little sometimes just a step too late to stop the or stop the completion. Um, but yeah, like you, like I, or like you said, and I said too, kind of a late third round guy, early fourth. Um, he's not really, he's kind of just a guy, I guess. He could be a okay corner, but the lack of athleticism and that's not going to be the standout for NFL teams. And he doesn't have the highest ceiling. So I don't, unless if you get a team that needs a corner, I don't see. Well, obviously, I think he's going to get late third, early fourth, but I don't think he's going to really stand out to teams. Yeah, I mean, I like him in a team like like the Seahawks. I think that'd be a good fit for him, very good fit. Um, other than that, maybe the Eagles. Um, they use a good amount of cover three. Yeah, I mean, I think he's best suited in the cover three. I can't. I don't think you can have him in a cover two at all. Um, but yeah, I mean. The last guy we got, Trayvon Mullen. What do you think about him? Uh, Mullen's. I think I think he has great footwork. I think something I think he does that not a lot of corners do is he let the wide receiver makes the move and then he will just completely uses. Sorry, I just lost my words. He lets the wide receiver makes the move and then he basically responds to that and finds a way to break up the play. Like there's a lot of times where he would just. And maybe it happens more often than I'm thinking of right now. But he just let he knows it's a slant before it even happens. He he'll adjust to that. He'll make a play on it. Uh, I think he has great press technique. Um, and he also has great ball instincts. He knows when to make a play on the ball. I think he's going to have a lot of pass defended. Uh, I think, but on those 
quick passes. Sometimes I think he gets over aggressive. I think he gets a little grabby at times. That's gotten some holdings or pass interferences. And even on just regular routes, he'll get grabby. Like if he falls behind, he might not even know, but he's grabbing the wide receiver's jersey. And that is something that'll be a red flag for NFL teams. Yeah, and he played a lot of zone coverage over in Clemson from well the game at okay. He started off in a few games. He played a lot of zone coverage, and then as the games went on, he played a lot more man. So he's very good man coverage, uh, very tight on deep routes, elite athleticism, very quick, very fast, uh, great recovery speed. Plays very light. Not going to be a heavy hitter at all. Um, struggles versus the crossers in zone coverage and man coverage. I think he's best. He's probably, from what I see from him on the on the boundary, sometimes I'm I'm thinking like, okay, this guy can be a great slot receiver, and sometimes I'm thinking like, this guy can't play slot and he can't play against X receivers. You pretty much have to get lucky and hope the other team that you're playing uses a Z receiver and starts a Z receiver because not all teams. Some I mean they all always obviously start Z receivers, but they're not really true Z receivers um, all the time. And I think he's going to struggle against bigger, bigger wide receivers. Uh, he's going to be, he's going to be very good against quicker guys. But I don't really see him. I can't see him being able to defend like an AJ Green or like a Brandon Marshall or any guy with size and who's physical at, at all. He's going to struggle against. He's just too. He's too small. Um, not small, but plays too light. Yeah. Um, doesn't really looks kind of lazy at times. Doesn't really look for work. Uh, in man coverage, I've noticed he tends to flip his hips too early. His hips aren't necessarily tight. They're just not very fluid, and he just flips them a little bit too early. Um, mirror looks pretty good. Uh, experience playing press, man, off man, I guess. And uh, zone, uh, like you said, great footwork, great play recognition. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I have a third rounder on him. Uh, I think he's going to be – he's a guy where most cornerbacks in this range are going to be very scheme-dependent. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that you can just plug and play. He's not going to be an island guy. So it just kind of depends on the coaching and the scheme. Yeah, I mean, I have a late second on him. And I'm I'm going to obviously – like we both will – we're going to watch their last couple games and adjust it. But I think for me, he's going to say as a late second. I think teams will be intrigued by his athleticism. Yeah, they definitely will. But I still think he's pretty scheme orientated. Yeah, oriented. Yeah, uh, I, I see. I think he's, he doesn't really play to his athleticism as a quick guy. I mean, he in coverage, I I don't see a quick guy. I see a very fast guy. He's he's very good on his feet. But I mean, sometimes he just his mind doesn't his mind doesn't take in what it should be taking in right when it needs to take it in. Yeah, he, he's a step late mentally. I think uh, that maybe that's just him as a football player. Maybe that's him still needing to get it working. Uh, but yeah, he high upside, uh, pretty low floor. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think he could be a very good player. Yeah, he's gonna be one of those guys where coaches will think I can coach this guy to be a great player. Yeah, that kind of like Byron Murphy in that respect. Just because Byron Murphy is very unfinished. Uh, He's obviously a much better prospect than Trayvon Mullen, but Byron Murphy comes from a lot of a big zone scheme, and he played in a lot of cover three. So you, if you're in a man scheme, you're going to have to have a coach that can they can coach him up, and you better hope you don't mess up. Yeah, there's never wrong with uh, 
coach taking a couple players in a draft thinking, oh, I can fix them up, and then they become complete shit. Talking yeah, yeah. Paul Alexander. Yeah, Paul Alexander. Uh, uh, kill me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's all we got for today. Uh, next week and the week after, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from doing the prospects because I have finals. Sorry. Uh, got to prioritize them. Pros- uh, watching prospects, I like to do it right, so I don't really – I don't like I don't look at other people's uh profiles online. I don't do any of that. I, I wanna do it right. So it takes me probably I probably spend an hour and a half, two hours on each well, depends on the player and depends on the position. On offensive linemen it took me like an hour and a half per player. On cornerbacks took a little bit less. But I think I think the next group we should watch might be quarterbacks and if we're watching quarterbacks, I'm watching six, seven games for each one. Yeah, absolutely. I and I also go in order see progressions and also in college it's important to see who they play and how that if and if that really affects them or just people around them and sadly this is not a good year to need a quarterback and and with Herbert probably not declaring there's only one guy who I would as of right now I still need to actually scout so this is just from my general knowledge if per se, there's only one guy right now that I would think I would want to take in the first round and I can build up to be a great quarterback. And right now, that quarterback's not at a first. He's going to be one of those guys who's nowhere, who's not ready at all. And I'm talking about Haskins. He's a very risky player. I could change my mind by the time we scout. And I still have a lot to watch on him. Like right now, he's not ready. He's not a first-level talent at all, per se, but I feel like he could become a great player if – but I think just because it's going be a top ten pick, um, I don't know if he's worth that. I think he's worth more of a late first right now. Yeah, I think. Uh, but being a quarterback, it's going to be he's going to get taken yeah. too high. What teams will look at is if we if this dude can be our future and, and we think he can lead us to the playoffs, get a Super Bowl. We don't care where his value is. We'll yeah. And I'm honestly not against that. Neither am I. No. The Bengals are in a weird position this year. It depends on how high they pick and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another guy that I kind of like is Daniel Jones. I like Will Greer, 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 whatever. Um, Greer, I also I need to scout, and so don't. This isn't my scouting. I just feel like he's going to be more of a system guy. Yeah, now that now I've, I've watched a little bit of him of him recently, and uh, I tend to agree. He's they have a good system in West Virginia, and I think I think Dave Hills, the wide receiver that his is it's his favorite target. I think he's going to be another guy that's kind of a product of the system. And, he could go to a team like the Patriots and be a all pro 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 bowler, or he could go to a team like the Bengals and phase out of the NFL in three years. Yeah. Yeah. So at least the way I look at it, if I'm taking a quarterback, has, oh, if Herbert does declare, I'm absolutely taking him. And I still need to look at the Duke guy. I know a lot of people have been talking high about him. So I, so I mean, we're obviously going to scout him. My opinion of all who I just talked about will probably change in some way or the other. But yeah, I mean, so next week we're going to do a positional mock draft instead of uh, doing some prospects. Um, well, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Hootay. Um, see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Hootay.